In today's show, we're here to talk about my Chicago Bulls. No, but we're here to talk about the Chicago Bulls for the season coming up. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode, I was gonna, it's not brought to you by anyone. Again, I'm, I've lost my mind. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free, and we are available on all platforms. We're here to talk about the Chicago Bulls. I have announced the FBI X LOFB Fantasy Basketball World Cup. You will find a link to the entry form quiz below. We are filling 24 divisions of 12 teams. Week 1's entry form is in the description below. So get a hold of that. And now we're going to talk, we're going to talk Chicago Bulls for this season preview coming up. And I'm joined by one of the hosts of the Locked On Bulls podcast. Hayes, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Actually, were you, I can't remember. Did you do this last year or was it? Um, I did. Yeah, it was, it was you. you. I, yeah. yeah, I do so many of these shows. I can't forget who's, I remember, I can't remember who's been on and who hasn't been on, but you were here last year to talk about the Chicago Bulls team and you're back again to talk about the Chicago Bulls team who continue to frustrate their fans, I'm sure, without any doubt whatsoever because of the, I don't know, it's not a lack of direction because we know what the direction is. It's basically just straight ahead. It's not going up. It's not going down. It's just, we'll just, just keep doing what we do. And I, I get the feeling that there is the frustrations building a little bit more. For sure. I think the it, it, we're tired of the complacency. Like, it's just the fact that we haven't progressed. And while I, I like, and I guess we'll talk about, I like a lot of the moves that the Bulls did make. I like the players that they brought in. Um, but I think everyone kind of sees what the ceiling of this team is. And, um, just tired of it, to be quite frank. So, yeah, I look, I totally understand. It's why I look, people think that, you know, I used to be a Bulls fan. I, had, I sort of dropped away because of a, the incompetence, but also you're covering the league as a whole. And then people think that well, I'm just bitter when I shit on them. No, it's just, I just don't think that what they're doing makes a ton of sense in terms of building the team or, or whatever they're trying to do. It's, I feel like now that the Wizards have pivoted into a certain direction, that the Bulls are going to be the, the eight seed poster child of like, yeah, look, what are you trying to do? You're just trying to get playoff checks, which is probably actually what they're trying to do or get play-in checks or do something without actually having a, a goal to improve. But let's have a look at those moves that this team did make in the off season, because you're right, like getting Javon Carter three years, 21 million is a fantastic deal. I think Javon Carter is a really solid player and we'll talk about him a little bit later on. Like Tory Craig, Feels a really good need if you're a strong playoff team. Like that's a defensive wing who sometimes can shoot a bit. They drafted Julian Phillips, which I didn't love, but I did love them bringing in Adama Sanogo on a two-way. I think he was a draftable player and probably should have been on a full-time contract. And then, of course, they let Javon Freeman Libby go, um, who dominated in summer league, so they could sign. Honestly, I don't know anything about this bloke. Honorop Bitim, the Turkish uh, 26-year-old who not really sure he's going to have a huge NBA career at this point. Patrick Beverly's gone. Javante Green currently remains unsigned. I think Hayes, just quickly on Javante, I think his knee might be finished. Yeah, it seems like that. It seems like it's pretty serious. Because he 
took that starting job last season off Patrick Williams, lasted one game, and then I don't think we saw him again since then. And uh, yeah, the fact that he is a very, very useful player who can play the two, the three, the four, uh, defend really well at a high level, shown some shooting upside and remains unsigned makes me think that there are some real problems there. Terry Taylor was on this team, if anyone didn't know, at the end of the season. That's cool. Derek Jones Jr. just signed with Dallas and Marco Simonovic, a busted second round pick from a couple of years ago, has finally been cut. So that's the comings and goings. And again, in a vacuum, Javon Carter replacing Patrick Beverly, totally okay. You would love for Javonte Green to be there, but Torrey Craig is a totally fine replacement. Again, I didn't love the Phillips pickup. I didn't love the Sonogo. I, I love the Sonogo one, but yeah, this is all well and good, but how does it change the fortunes of the team at all? I mean, I think when you look at the Chicago Bulls, we lost a lot of games last year where we technically scored more field goals than the other team, but because we don't hit three-pointers at a consistent rate, we still lost the game. So I do think that they improved in the margins with Torrey Craig, with Javon Carter, their three-point shooting, both defensive dogs as well, and vets mm-hmm. who have quite a bit of playoff experience. So I do think that they've improved, but I think it's marginal uh, improvement. And so I don't know if it's really up the ceiling too much. I guess we'll, we'll see because sometimes those those in the margin signings pay off a little bit more once the team kind of all comes together. But at least on paper right now, I can't say that the Bulls like improved drastically because they haven't. I like the Julian Phillips pickup, especially, you know, if his shot goes back to more like what it was in high school. I think that with his defensive ability, I like it. But that's still a player that's one, two years off uh, away from really being a contributor. And Billy Donovan doesn't play rookies for real anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think that it's like it, the ceiling for the team hasn't improved drastically at all. Javon Carter is an interesting one. He took tons of shots from threes. And based on my projections this season versus last season, I expect this team to have a higher three-point attempt rate, mainly because mm. you're getting someone like Javon Carter. And as for the Phillips thing, I think Phillips, yeah, not best case, but maybe medium out, median outcome is like someone like a Tory Craig, a really good defensive wing who can shoot maybe a little bit, but I'm not sure he's actually... But anyway, it was pick 35. Who cares? They bought in. They got a guy that they liked. It doesn't make a ton of sense for me on this team, but that's all well and good. But as I said, like these are solid moves. Like That price for Javon Carter was really strong, but then I didn't understand why they would bring Ayodesumu back because... What was the what was the point of doing that? Like, they let him sort of hang out in restricted free agency a little bit, and now you're still in that same position where you've got three point guards, and you re, you, you basically signed three point guards this off season. Like, what what's what's the direction there? Like, are they picking one guy? They're going to be mixing and matching. Like, I don't understand that yeah, that idea either. And someone like Desumu's not a high volume or a good three point shooter either. I think the Desumu is it's the, I think this team has seen a lot of young players go away and, and develop elsewhere and they don't want that to continue to happen and I think when you look at Desumu his rookie year he was one of the best point of attack defenders not just for a rookie but in the league that dropped down considerably his second year so maybe there's some hope that he can get back to that and I also think you know if they played a more up-tempo game maybe he can be a little bit you know more um, viable in the offensive side of the ball but I just think ultimately it's just they didn't want to let another young player go and then see him go somewhere else and develop. I think that's really what it came down to. Look, I can understand that. Preserving the asset you got in there, you can trade him later on. But you talk about, you know, okay, he he was solid enough as a defensive player, as a rookie, but he's also the third best defensive point guard on this team, right? And because Alex Caruso and Javon Carter are significantly better, like very, very clearly significantly better defensively, and he doesn't make up for it offensively. So while that defensive skill can be solid, He's still nowhere near the best option, which I guess if you are looking to trade that to another team, you can use that as a selling point. But in terms of just how the overall mix looks on this team, he feels superfluous. And just, I don't even know if he's going to play every night, which we'll get to a little bit later on. But that does bring us into talking about another elite defensive point guard who unfortunately I 
don't know that we ever see again, and that is Lonzo Ball. What is the current status of Lonzo Ball for this upcoming season? Uh, Lonzo's not coming back. I, I, I've written off Lonzo Ball as like the surgery that he had, the cartilage replacement. Um, it's typically a surgery that older people get just for quality of life. It's not typically a let's get back to playing sports type uh, surgery. And so unless something happens, I mean, knock on wood, I don't want to like write the guy off, but the the him coming back to be an impact player for the Chicago Bulls ever with the year and so he has left on this contract, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, look, I just don't see it either. Like, maybe there's an off chance that this surgery works. If it doesn't, it's clearly over. Like, this is, that's just not going to happen, which is really sad because he was one of my favorite players in the NBA. I loved yeah. the Bulls getting him. He made this team look good. He's an unbelievable transition player. He worked so hard to become a deadly three-point shooter, took a ton of threes, defended it. Him and Caruso working together, you remember this, Hayes. Like, that was an, just an unbelievable pairing in that backcourt and yeah. it made everything work. And I, I think he's done, which is really, really sad for him and for the game of basketball as well. But yeah, look, we just, yeah, he's, he's not playing this at the very least he's not playing this season and uh, yeah, he's not uh, pr- probably not going to be playing again which is uh, really really sad we're going to talk about your projected starting five in just a sec but today's episode is brought to you by Fangel Sportsbook football season is about to kick off well actually it has because preseason's already here and Fangel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner you get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season now Hayes I wouldn't suggest putting a Super Bowl winner bet on the Chicago Bears if you're looking to maximize your bonus bets would that be fair? Yeah, absolutely. The Bears are going to be fun, but I don't think you're going to get all your bonus bets back, but maybe look a different direction because the regular season wins are going to add up in your bonus bets account. So use those bonus bets on spreads, on money lines, on Justin Fields, over-under player props for rushing yards in a game. Do that. There you go. There's your Bears connection. All that is available over on Fangio. So go to Fangio.com slash locked on. Start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's Fangio.com slash locked on. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. All right, Hayes, your projected starting five is absolutely 100% identical to mine. Javon Carter, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams, Nikola Vucevic, who was re-signed in the offseason. I posted a projected sideline for the Bulls a week or so ago, and I got pushback on it. I had a number of people, which was not what I expected, arguing with me that Kobe White was going to be the starting point guard. And I said, well, okay, then why he didn't start last season? So I just... I think Kobe White can be a starting point guard. I think Kobe White is a solid player. I think that he's going to get good minutes. But pairing him with no defense, Zach Levine, and no defense, DeMar DeRozan, is, or also no defense, Nikola Vucevic, is a recipe for a significant amount of disaster, I think. I think you take, I understand why. Everybody kind of looks at the offensive game and what he can bring offensively, which, you know, that came on towards the, after the All-Star break last season for him. But I, I, Ultimately, I think you take a lot away from what made Kobe White special when he did look special last season, and that is having the ball in his hands, having a lot of things go through him, him being able to kind of dictate the pace at times, find his rhythm. He's not going to get that in the starting lineup. I think Javon Carter is a player that can fit in. He knows how to get his shots off. He's going to be able to spread the floor a little bit more consistently. While Kobe can shoot the three ball, he's not a three-point shooter. He's a scorer. Javon Carter is a shooter, and I think that that uh, uh, that to add some space to what they already have in the congestion between Vooch and DeMar DeRozan, I think that helps. And so ultimately I do think that Kobe's going to play a lot of minutes and that's not to say he's not going to have a huge role for this team, but I think it just makes more sense to have Javon Carter out there. Yeah. I think that Javon Carter's three point volume, Javon Carter's point of attack defense, Javon Carter, 
He can pass a little bit as well. I think it makes complete sense to have him out there. It helps protect, uh, protect Alex Caruso. Yeah, his body in terms of injuries, but also allows yep. him to play at the three, the two, the four, which he seems to be uh, you know, going to have to do on this team. So uh, to me, it is a perfect fit. It's a cheap fit. It's a move that I absolutely love for the Bulls. But as again, like he's 27, about to turn 28. Javon Carter, it's not like he's particularly young. Kobe White is a guy that if I was another team, I would absolutely be inquiring. Hey, can I get uh, Kobe White in here? Because I think he might be able to work better on other teams, much like you know, the, I, I view Kobe White and Cole Anthony very similar for the Orlando Magic. Just these scoring guards who have probably shown enough to me to get give opportunities in starting roles, but it doesn't really make sense on the teams that they're on. So they're, they're the guys from other teams I'm looking at. We'll see what the Bulls end up doing there. But in terms of the rotation, we've got Kobe White in there. You've got Alex Caruso, Torrey Craig, and Andre Drummond. And you will notice that Ayodesumu is not in that group. I agree that they've, they've probably only got 10 real reliable rotation players. And Desumu is the 10th, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to have him and Caruso all out there together. Again, he's the third point guard you know, at, for this team. Like, I don't think he's going to be an every night guy. He pre- look, he probably will get minutes, but this is the group that I think that they will heavily rely upon as, as bench minute rotation guys. I agree, and I think that, listen, it's a Billy Donovan coach team. He's not against playing three and four guards out there at a time. So, mm-hmm. you know, as long as Alex Caruso is on the team, Alex Caruso can line anywhere between the one and the four. So that may open up some minutes for Io. But I even did this over on Locked on Bulls. I did a, t- a tier, basically. And I was in that tier of players that are going to be fighting for a consistent rotation spot. And I think, you know, if they try to use Dalen Terry, what he can bring defensively, pushing the ball up the court, things like that. But it really depends on the matchup. I'm not saying that Iowa isn't going to play at all. I just don't think it's going to be as consistent as a role as what he's had the last couple. Unless he comes in and that defense is just amazing. And and he he you, you can't afford not to play him just because his defense is that good. But other than that, I just I, I he's going to play minutes. It's just not going to be consistent. Yeah, look, he played 26 minutes a night last season, and he was their starting point guard. He lost that job late, uh, later in the season where Caruso and Patrick Beverly came in ahead of him and basically look at what Desumu was doing towards the end of the season when Beverly was there and just you know, sub Javon Carter in, who probably ends up playing more than Pat Beverly as well. And it is hard to see how there is as large of a role for Io as what there was when most of the bulk of his minutes were built up at the beginning of last season before that Beverly slash Carter player was on the roster. So that, that's part of what we're looking at there. Now, I do want to talk about Vooch, who, again, we talk about contracts and roles and acquisitions in a vacuum. And three years, $6 million for Vooch. In a vacuum, it's totally okay. There are other players who got paid more than him. He is 33, or he's about to turn 33. It's $20 million a year for a no-defense center when he's in his age 35 season. It's probably going to be a little bit iffy. He would love some non-guarantees and all of that. But what, what does where does he go on this team? He's clearly the third Banana. The thing that I guess that worries me is the the Kanishavis doubling down on the Vooch trade in terms of no, it was actually a, a huge win for us. Like, come on, mate. Like, at least it, you know, at least say something that's less clear cut wrong. That and then it goes like so. Then now you you say, well, look, look, look how good this trade was. We have to pay him because it was just such a huge win for us. I'm not saying that you could have done better necessarily, and the contract is totally fine. But where, where does where does he make sense when you are pairing with two other older stars? Well, not uh, let me say, DeRozan's older, who also struggled defensively. We're still going to have these these problems with Vucu. I do fear that when the aging cliff approaches, it's he's going to tumble down that pretty quickly. I, I, I mean, that is a concern. I think Vucu's game has never been built, built uh, off athleticism or anything like no, that. So not. I think Vucu's going to age okay. I mean, he's, he's as a third fiddle getting you 18 and 11 on 50% shooting from the field. It's it's solid, right? It's not amazing. Mm-hmm. And like you said, oh, AK trying 
Yeah, AK trying to sell it as this trade that we won. No, we didn't. But I mean, Vooch is still. We had no ability to replace him, right? No, like, that's true. All we had, all we had was our mid-level exception, and you're not going to get a better player at center position than Vooch with what was out there with their mid-level exception. So, I mean, they kind of had to to re-sign him. It's just where they were in. But I do think that with a lot of the bull, the deals the Bulls did sign, they're easily movable deals. And I think before we were very top-heavy with contracts, we now do have a con contracts and a ton of exceptions left as well if we do want to try to make a move at some point. So maybe he, maybe AK is looking at that flexibility. But, yeah, I mean, Vooch is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I also don't think we've had the best roster construction to kind of support his weaknesses either. But you know, it kind of this it's the 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 corner that we that AK painted us in with the move that he made and giving up as many first round picks as that that he gave up. Vucevic's um, field goal attempts per 100 possessions have dropped each of the last three seasons from 29 that last season in Orlando to 23 and then 20 last season. And I worry that that might drop a little bit. The other part of it is over the second half of last season, his minutes did drop. He played 29 minutes a game over the final 10 games of last season. He played, it was down to 32 over the final 25 games of last season. And with that, the lower shooting numbers and the fact that he hit like a career high in two-point percentage makes me wonder that, what if that regresses? He's always been like a 53, 52 guy, and he was at almost 60. Like, if that goes back to 54, he's not touching it as much. The defense is still a problem. The three-point shooting, where he's had one good three-point shooting season, and every other one's yeah. been below average. Like, it could all... The, the, the Not unplayability, but some of the things that were the positives that you hang your hat on from last season with him could go away, go away really quickly. If he goes back to being a 51% two-point shooter, which he did many, many times, um, and there's even a half-slip defensively, then... It, it does get pretty ugly. Yeah, I mean, especially if it really depends on, like like I said, how, if this Patrick Williams takes a step, especially defensively, does he help, you know, protect the rim a little bit better, rebound a little bit more to how does Torrey Craig help with that? But, like, with Vooch, it could get ugly quickly. I, I think it's going to be okay for at least the foreseeable future for the next year or so. But, I mean, you're not wrong to say that it it, it is a risk there that it's going to fall off the cliff. Um, I was uh, let's and I'll talk about Patrick Williams in a second. Let's talk Zach Levine because it was a weird season, right? Like, yeah, everyone will remember the start of the year. Man, Zach Levine, he's, he had this knee surgery, signed this big contract, um, and then he comes into the start of the year and they go, hey, by the way, like he's actually going to have to sit back to backs. And you go, what? Like, what are you talking about? And then he didn't. He played seventy-seven games and played. That's he missed like one back to back or two at the start of the season. I think even one yeah. of the games he missed at the start of the season was for management, and it wasn't a back to back. I mean, oh no. Oh no, we've just signed this guy to $250 million and he can't even, he's not even healthy. And then everything just was fine. And I don't really know what happened. And again, I'm never going to trust the Bulls with knee injury management, but I, I don't know how that happened with Levine. We still have to have some concern, but he just played through everything. He's really good. He does get, I guess, underrated in some circles, but he's, he's a solid player. I'm just not, again, it's all about construction and the guys around him. What is Levine's next level here? He's 28, so bang, middle prime. He's a guy that is reliant on athleticism, so there is, he's going to have to change some things in his game. So what's his what's his next step if there is one? I think becoming more efficient. And, and he's had times where he's been a, a fairly efficient, yes. almost a 50-40-90 player. I think it continue being more efficient. And then we saw some games last season where Zach Levine did kick it up a notch defensively when they, he had a certain matchup. Now, he did get completely destroyed a couple of times against Devin Booker. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, we have seen that Zach Levine does when he when he takes defense seriously, 
he can be a solid defender. And so I think for me, I just want to see Zach be more efficient, be more consistent with that efficiency, not turn the ball over as much in, in crutch time as he does, and just give a little bit, take defense a little bit more seriously. I think that's the next step for Zach Levine and just refine his game. We know you can score. You can be a lights out scorer. We all know that we've seen it, but uh, just the refinement of that and, and elevating the other little in-between parts of your game, I think is the next step for Zach Levine going into a, I believe it's his 28-year-old season. So yeah, he this turned, is the time you want to start seeing that refinement. Yeah, he turned 28 like a couple of months ago, four or five months ago. The thing with Levine is like the defensive stuff to me, it's all it's concentration. Like if you want an absolute 100% illustration of why he has been and always always has been a bad defender in his NBA career, I think it was two seasons ago, there was a buzzer-beating layup by Colin Sexton when he played for the Cavs and Levine was guarding him. And he's just like looking at the roof. I don't know what he was doing. And yeah. Sexton just sort of walks past him and is standing by himself underneath the rim they pass it in buzzer being like in the most key part like concentrate for one second here Zach like it's the end of the game and he's just like oh what am I doing and he doesn't know what and that's just like that lack of concentration which is like it should be able to be fixed but we're nine years in and it hasn't and, and that's where you go well maybe at some point the yeah, we just don't expect that to change that brings us on to the focus on youth section these are guys all under the age of 23 Pat Williams is 22 Dalen Terry is 21 Julian Phillips, 19. Sonogo, 21. Justin Lewis, 21, who was on this team last season but never played, recovering from an ACL injury. Um, I do want to talk Patrick Williams, who did, again, lose his starting spot last season. And then Javante Twice. Green. Yeah. Oh, yeah, to Caruso and then to Javante Green and then got it yeah. back. Um, he's been a guy that, if you look at some of the shooting numbers, you go, man, this guy just absolute knockdown three-point shooter. Is at 42% last season. He was at 51% the year before in, in limited um, games, 39 the year before that, but he doesn't take huge amounts. His usage is really low. And there were times last season where, oh, let's see, let's see what we can do. DeMar DeRozan's out. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. It's time for Patrick Williams to step up, and he doesn't. And the usage is, he never scales. He never was able to scale into being a better offensive player. His rebound numbers are just, they've gone down every season somehow despite playing basically exclusively as a power forward. His defensive numbers and, and defensive playmaking stats are, are pretty good. He had good steal and block numbers, but he just has never been able to sort of scale up. Still really young. This is make or break though for Patrick Williams, I'd say this season. I get what you, why you'd say that, but unfortunately, like I look at this front office and much like they did with Ayo Sumu, I think they're going to re-sign him regardless because they don't just don't want to risk it. But yeah, I, with Pat, it's all about mentality, I feel like, because mm. like he has some games and some flashes and quarters where you're just like, how has this guy not figured out how to put it all together? It's really the in like in between his ears. That's the thing that he needs to accomplish because physically, he has all the tools you would look at physically from a player that should be able to, you know, do a little bit more. And so the seven shots per game for his career, that's just, it's unacceptable. And mm -hmm. even if he just attacked the boards a little bit more um, and did those things, got a little bit uh, more of those of putbacks, took, stopped passing up on shots. That's what we want to see from Pat Well, it's just the, the development of his mentality, because I think some of the things with his game will come if that mentality progresses some, but it's just like, sometimes you just want to shake him. And just yeah. say, hey, man, just go up there and play basketball. So Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, DeRozan's out. All right, there's shots available, and he just doesn't take them. And yeah. he just doesn't get aggressive, and he doesn't move. He just sort of sits around. It's like, oh, I just need – do I need someone to force me? To, I, I don't know. That's He's 22, yeah. though. So, like, who knows? Maybe it does change because there are some things there. Defensively, there are some um, positive signs from him. But, like, the, the lack of aggression and, and the lack of urgency in his game is somewhat of a concern. Now, Dalen Terry, it's very hard to write someone off after one year, but – 
I'm pretty close. Like, I don't know. He looked bad. He looked bad in summer league. I thought the shot's just never there. I don't, again, know really how he makes sense on this team. I always, my big red flag for him coming out of college was how are you a draftable point guard with a usage of 13% on a college team? Like that is like a gigantic red flag. Like at least get some touches there and you know, don't, and without shooting the ball well. I, he hasn't shown me a single thing that makes me think that he is anywhere close to being NBA ready. Yeah, I mean, he has, uh, again, like, he's one of those players that, and this is what AK does, he drafts these raw players that have tons of upside, but then it's like, do, are we developing them right? Because theoretically, he's a defender who can get out there, he can p- do some passing, he can get out in transition, but you haven't seen it. He, a, he was the least played 18th overall pick, I think, in NBA history, if I have that <laughs> stat correct, which is crazy. But then on top of that, like, he's just so raw with everything that it's just like he's, Again, much like I said with Julian Phillips, he's he's a, he's a year or two away from being a year away. Mm. He played what two hundred and fourteen minutes for the season. That's, that's just crazy. That's that's so low. Like it's it's look for example, Carlick Jones, who is on this roster, played fifty six minutes for this team, and like okay, that's not that far off where Dalen Terry was as a first round draft pick. He just never played. Now some of it is a lot of the guys in front of him stayed relatively healthy. Like he got a lot of games from Desumu, 80 games there and 74 from Kobe White and all that sort of stuff. 77 from Levine, but still you would have hoped he could force his way into somewhat of a, of a larger role. What do you, now we can talk all we want about the Bulls and what we think they're doing, but what, what do they think they're doing? What do they think this team is? Because, you know, Kanishavis says stuff and you go, I, I just don't believe what you're saying. You can't actually believe what you're saying out loud. So I guess some of the, the you know, how to pass this through as to what they think they can do is tough. But look, do they think they're a top four seed? Do they think they're a guaranteed playoff team? Look, what do they think this team is? I think that I think AK looks at that glimmer that we had when we were the number one team in the Eastern Conference with Lonzo Ball and really does think that that's still this team ceiling. He's trying to get he's trying to maintain that, hoping he can, he's going to get another point guard that's going to unlock that. Then they talk a lot. He talks a lot about us being 14 and nine after us acquiring Pat Bev. If I remember correctly, if you combine the time with Lonzo with the time with Pat Bev, it's like a 61 percent win percentage, which I get it. You can talk yourself into that into any stat, but I think. Where AK went wrong, and of course this is in hindsight, he came into this team saying we're going to build organically through the draft over time and then immediately traded everyone away Mm -hmm. to bring in Nikola Vucevic to try to win now. I think he, if had he stayed on that path of developing over time uh, the young guys and through the draft, we'd probably actually be exactly where we are right now had we done that. But because we didn't, it's really come back to bite him. I think he's trying to live in two worlds. And Thinking that this team can be, and even said it in one of the press conferences, like we can be a four to six team in the East. It's like, oh, even if that's true, you're not winning a playoff series. We're not doing it. No. So what what are you really doing here? You've doubled down now on an older core that, and young players that we, we have so many question marks on young players, and not one of them has shown anything yet that shows this is the next, this is the guy who could potentially lead the next generation of this team. And that's a dangerous place to be in. Yeah, well, one of those guys that could have led this team might have been Franz Wagner, who, of course, was traded to... traded. Franz Wagner. Yeah, him and Wendell Carter, I think they're both individually better than Vooch at the moment. They're both uh, part of of that deal. We'll see what ends up happening with Jet Howell. We haven't even spoken about DeMar DeRozan, who's 34 years of age now. We talk about aging cliffs. Like, at some point, at some point, it's it's going to fall away from him, and he is a guy that they rely upon so heavily, and they really need Levine to be able to take over. And he sort of did, I guess, in terms of usage last season. It was it was a bit closer, but Levine needs to really step up there ahead of DeRozan. Now, my next question still revolves around the front office and ownership. Is 
are these decisions, is this mid-direction, is it Kanishevis? Or is this is this Reinsdorf? I, it, it smells like Reinsdorf. Is is that is that where it's coming from? It's definitely Reinsdorfian. Because uh, it's and one thing that I heard when Billy Donovan said, I text Jerry Reinsdorf every day. I said, Oh, we're 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 gonna be messed up for at least the next five years. Like because mm. one thing Jerry runs his team like a like the old school mafia mentality. Like once you're a member of the family, it's so hard to get anybody out of there. And so mm-hmm. I think that. It's a mixture of both. I think AK thought he was making better moves than what he did. And to his credit, the, the version of the team that he built, we were number one team in the East for a little while, but we didn't have any backup plan. We haven't developed anyone. And now AK's hands are kind of tied because we're not a team that's going to go into the luxury tax for anything. I don't I don't care what AK says about, oh, we believe we can, if we're a, uh, the fourth seed, that we can go into the luxury tax. I've been a Chicago Bulls fan <laughs> for 36 years, and I it, it's not happening. <laughs> I agree. I agree. They're just they're not gonna do it. Like they're just they're just not, and that's just the way that yeah, Reinsdorf runs things. Unfortunately, is do you think there's any change to the playing style of this team? We already talked about the three point attempt rate and the fact that Carter does take more threes. This is mm-hmm. yeah, but when your team is built around DeRozan and Vooch and Levine and only one of those guys is a three point shooter, it is gonna to be tough. But are they going to emphasize that a little bit more? I think so. I think uh, you saw that in what they went out and got Torrey Craig and Javon Carter. I do think they're going to try to shoot more threes. It's still not going to probably be up to the average level of three-point shots that teams take in the modern NBA, but I do think they're going to try to change that shot profile some. The biggest question is, is is it going to be enough? And that's something that on paper it doesn't seem like it's going to be, and Billy Donovan hasn't shown an ability to really change his system or adapt too much, so I don't have faith that it's going to be, but I would love to be proven wrong. Love, it. Uh, yeah, I, I would, I would love to see it as well. But yeah, look, we, we have to, we have to see it play out. Who's a breakout candidate on this team? I think Kobe, Kobe White, probably Kobe White and Patrick Williams are the two I always go to with that. I think Kobe showed that he grew a lot of, a, a lot of his game defensively, uh, passing wise, dribbling wise. He, he, he grew a lot in those areas. Some of the worst shooting numbers, I think the worst shooting numbers in his career until post all-star break. I think it was an over 44% shooter the 43, 42, something like that from three point after the all-star break. So maybe that's a sign for some positivity there. But I think Kobe White's a player that's shown like he's starting to understand how he needs to perform to get his, to get his at the NBA level, and then always Patrick Williams. He's so young, so mm. raw. I think I'm always going to have him on that list just for hope alone. Um, but those those are the two that I probably go to first. Yeah, I'd say that's that's fair enough. I'd say Patrick Williams. You'd have to hope that it's him, but who knows? What about a regression candidate? There are quite a few options for this as well. Oh man, ah, uh, regression candidate. I go back and forth on this every single time that that even when i sent you the, the list it's like i i want to pick this oh man um i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna stay with my regression candidate as much as i put kobe white also in a breakout potential i'm still gonna put kobe white mainly because he was so bad of a shooter for so long last season that if that maintains and that defense maybe that defense was a flash in the pan i think kobe white could could regress a little bit i would hate to see it but i think he's a potential there it is possible. Uh, he did you know, put together a, a real run that was so much better than things that we've seen from him in the past. And <clears throat> that's always going to be um, concerns. I, I, I worry about the older guys always. Like Vooch is already already stepping yeah. back. And I, I, he to me, he's the sort of player that 
you said that he doesn't rely on athleticism. That's true. But when you don't rely on athleticism and then you lose a small amount, then you're unplayable almost. Like you get to the stage where this, well. this, guy, this guy can't be out here and he's not a knockdown three-point shooter and he's a third offensive option when the only part of his game that's useful at the moment is offense. And that gives me, yeah, it gives me a level of concern as, as to when that drop comes. And yeah, at age 32... I, I am a little worried that that might happen there. What about the most likely player to be traded? I'm going to say DeMar only because I, 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 I'm going to explain it. So do, we all know that the Bulls Spicy. signed DeMar. Yeah, DeMar DeRozan, he, the Bulls weren't his first choice. Heck, I don't think the Bulls were in his top four choices. No. Um, and I think that if DeMar really does want to ring chase here in the back half of his career, on top of him being an expiring uh, contract and – with with the extension coming up, and unless AK just wants to double down on this core even more, so I think you could look to move to, to look to trade Demar by the trade deadline this year. I don't know how likely it is, but I do think that they should be exploring deals for Demar Derozan. Like if it was a team that was real about their expectations and where they are, then yeah, he's an expiring contract. He's thirty four years of age. He's definitely not part of the next great Bulls team, and there's still some currency in what he's able to do at the moment. But they won't. I don't think. Like it would. I, I would be shocked if DeRozan, unless DeRozan's like, please, like, what is this? Get me out of here. Do something. Maybe yeah. there's something there. But in terms of the maximization of assets, which is a bad way to sort of phrase it, but it, it's it's true. Like in terms of doing the best for the team long term, you're right. It, it probably should be him. I just don't really have faith in them doing that. Let's <laughs> let's look at their win totals for the season. Hayes, they were forty and forty two last season. Thirteenth best net rating, which is Quite a good number, plus 1.3. FanDuel has got them set at 36.5, so that's a, a significant drop. I dropped yep. them down one game, but I didn't go as far as FanDuel. You went up. You went up to 45 wins. All right, so we've done. We've been negative, all, all, a lot of negativity, rightfully so. Yeah. Tell us tell us the positivity. Let's, let's get some positive vibes going. I think it's just the fact that this team, uh, with added three-point shoot, shoot, shooting, it, they win a lot more games than what they what they won last year, and I think that if Javon Carter and Torrey Craig bring Torrey Craig is kind of the one that's more he's had like what a couple of years of being a volume three point shooter. Other than that, he's been solid but not great. Javon Carter has always been a solid three point shooter. I think that that's going to help this team. I think it's going to help spread the ball out some, and I do think having your your point guard now that's an actual point guard to start the season as well is going to up that. So I do think the Bulls are going to get between 42 to 45 wins. I picked 45, just went on the high end there. Um, and I think I think I still think it's going to be a tough season. I still think we're going to see a lot of games where the Bulls are just they frustrate the heck out of us. And I don't necessarily see them making it out the first round, but I do think this team, a healthy Zach Levine for the full season because we didn't have that to finish a season ago, and then last season we didn't have it to start the season. I think that we can get to 45 wins. Is if Levine or DeRozan gets injured, which one is more detrimental? That's a great point. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Demar only because Demar is the clutch. Like he, he, you expect him to step up more in big games and be able to either score a bucket or get to the free throw line. Zach Levine's still fixing that. That's one another thing I should have said that when you asked about Zach Levine getting to the free throw line a little bit more consistently. I would like to see from Zach. Um, so I would say probably tomorrow. I would tend to agree with that because there's so much relies upon him. They go so much to him in late game situations as well that, yeah, that would be, it would be tough to, and look, I, I think not that it's the same, but Kobe White can produce a sort of facsimile to what Levine does. Not mm -hmm. the same, but 
not far off. If DeRozan's gone, like the action, again, the lack of forwards on this team, which DeRozan is exclusively a forward, like you're in real trouble there because they just don't have anyone to, to play that. I guess you'd start Tory Craig, but that is a very, very different player type. Yeah, very different. Let's um, let's finish it off. Let's play the gritty. The Bulls, let's match them up. The Celtics, the Hawks, the Warriors, the Blazers, the Knicks. You know how the game works, Hayes, I'm assuming? I do not. You've never played these games. All right, here we go. We've I've got never a, played the gritty. We have got a grid game version <laughs> on our hands. So this is a game that has been all over Twitter. There's multiple versions of them. One's called Crossover Grid. One's called Hoop Grids. There's uh, another one that I can't remember the name of, but that doesn't matter. Uh, Immaculate Grid is another one. So basically what we're looking to do is find players that have played for both franchises. So this is a Bulls-centric mm. one. So a player who's played for Chicago and Boston. A player that's played for Chicago and Atlanta. Chicago and Golden State, Chicago and Portland, Chicago and Knicks. It's basically just a way for dudes to sit around, and women, of course, to sit around and name old players and go, oh, man, that guy, which is what we're going to do here. But, okay. what, but what we want to do, in order to get a good score to beat your other Locked On hosts, we want to find guys who are rare, like players who haven't played huge amounts of games for these teams. And the way that I'm going to score it is we look at the games played for either franchise, whether it's the Bulls, or it's the Celtics, so in that first one. And I look at the fewest games they played. So if someone played 400 for the Bulls and 20 for the Celtics, I count that as 20 games because they barely played for the Boston Celtics. And then I rank all of those guys, and the lower score you get, the lower games played that you pick out of those guys, so the guy that, oh man, I don't remember him playing two games for this team. If you find those guys, you get a low score. That's how you end up being better than your other locked-on hosts. Does that make sense? I cannot believe you've never seen this game. Uh, yeah, that's, I, that's listen, awesome. I've I've been kind of checked out of social media for almost a little. I, I post, but I don't really scroll for like the last year. I've kind of had to distance myself from social media. This is going to be very because this game has been everywhere. There's football versions and baseball versions. They're all over the place at the moment. So, all right, let's go. Where which which one of these groups do you want to go with first? Uh, Celtics. Celtics. All right. So a player who has played for the Bulls and the Celtics. Again, we're trying to find the guys playing smaller amounts of games for better scores. Nate Robinson is the first one that comes to mind. Nate Robinson. All right. So Nate Robinson did indeed play for both of those teams, as you're well aware. He he played. He's played a certain amount of games. It's not not a not a terrible score you've got here. It's a sixty nine point five seven. We're grading zero to one hundred. Zero being the best score because he played eighty one games for Boston, eighty two for the Bulls. Let me give you some okay. other some other very interesting names that are on this list that you might be uh, interested to hear. Let's go with Keith Bogans, who played six games for Boston. He would have been a really good score after playing a ton for the Bulls. What about the three games that RJ Hunter played for Chicago? I don't know if you remember those ones. I surely don't. Oh, what about when Stacy King played five games for Boston? Remember that? I don't remember that either. So I don't know when that happened. But yeah, he played five games for Boston. Jarvis Varnado, one game bull legend. I don't know when that happened. And then Tristan <laughs> Tristan Thompson got 23 games in for the Bulls as well last season. So he would have been another really interesting score. Although interestingly, the Bulls and the Celtics haven't had huge amounts of players cross over. In fact, the guy who had the highest score was Adrian Griffin, new, new Bucks head coach. All right, which one do we want to go to now? Uh, let's go to, let's go to the Knicks. The Knicks. Okay. So Chicago, the Knicks, there is a history of these guys trading amongst each other quite a bit. There are 60 players who have played for both franchises in their career. So can you nail, can you nail the rare ones? The rare ones. See, I was, I go right to players that I know played for a while. They're rare ones who played for both franchises. Oh man, that is actually a great question. Um, 
I know he didn't play rare. I, I mean, maybe because of injury. Let's just say Eddie Curry. He it, just came to mind first. Eddie Curry definitely played games for both teams. He played quite a bit, but there are a lot of players who played a lot of games for these teams. So his score's not that bad. Eddie Curry played over 200 games for both the Bulls and the Knicks, but that's only a 55.7. But there's some other names here that I do have to tell you about. Obviously, there is um, Joe Kim Noah, who played only 53 games for the Knicks. So that one is uh, a that would have been a good score there. Justin Holiday, Jerry and Grant, um, Chris Duhon was one that, that crossed over Ooh. and played at both teams. But what about this one? Did you know that Jimmer Fredette played for both Chicago and the Knicks? Yes, I did. Now that you said that, yeah. <laughs> he played eight games for Chicago and two for the Knicks. That that would have been. I think that was the best score there. I oh, know the best score was Lou Amundsen, who had two games in his uh, Bulls career. All right, what are we looking at next? Let's go Warriors. Okay, all right. And we're going to go Jordan Bell. I know he didn't play very many games for the Bulls at all. Jordan Bell is the one that I go with every time when I'm playing these actual games online. And you are going to, you're going to absolutely love this because that is the best score you could have possibly gotten for this one. It is a zero because he played one game for the Chicago Bulls. One game. He played 126 for the Warriors, but he played one game for the Bulls. I that is, I don't know how everyone. I feel like everyone seems to remember that he did play, but he played one game. I think. Do you reckon mainly it's because everyone, including me, killed Garpax for not drafting him in that draft and selling that pick to the Warriors? Yeah, now I mean, I remember he. So he played during when we had a bunch of people out with COVID, oh, and that's yeah. what, that's the one game that he played. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so we've got Hawks, we've got Blazers, and then the last one is uh, Bulls All NBA player that we're trying to get. All NBA, yeah. So that one, it's got to be. They've got to have made All NBA while playing for the Bulls, and then the scoring works on that. The player that's played the fewest career games for the Bulls gets the best score. There are nine players in Bulls history who have made an All NBA team while they've been on the Bulls. And I'll give you a clue: Michael Jordan's the worst answer there. <laughs> of course. Uh, so they played, but they made All NBA. Not while they were Chicago Bulls. No, while they were they were all NBA while, while playing playing for Chicago, and then we're ranking it based on career games played for the Bulls. Okay. Oh man. Um. There are two players in this tied for the fewest career games for Chicago, who also made an All NBA team for Chicago, which I haven't seen that before. Is Pau Gasol on that list? Pau Gasol is on that list, Hayes, and Pau Gasol is one of those players who. Tied for the best possible score. Him and DeMar DeRozan both played 150 career games for the Bulls, which is the fewest games of any All-NBA player. So he gets the zero score. That is two zeros in a row for you. For someone who's never played this game, you're doing well. We've got Portland and all, Portland and Atlanta next. All right, let's go. Let's go Atlanta. Yep. Um, oh, man. Because ah, I know a player comes to mind first. And I, know, and I, I think he played quite a bit of games for Atlanta. Um Hmm. I'm gonna go. He's first. Oh no! Let's go. Let's go. Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford is a correct answer. He his score is not as big as you might think. Sixty four point seven one. So it's not it's not fantastic. It's not terrible because he played. Where is Jamal? He played one hundred and fifty five games with the Hawks and two hundred and forty four with the Bulls. But I tell you, would have been a good answer here. Chris Dunn played four games for Atlanta a couple of years ago. So wow. he, he would have been a good answer there. He was one of the best ones. Timotei Lawawu Cabarro was on that list. Um, 
when the hell did Rajon Rondo play 27 games for the Hawks? But apparently that happened. So he's on that list as well. Uh, Tony Snell. There's some weird ones on that list. Um, all right. There you go. There's some ones that I did not know occurred. But that's fine. Um, and the last one is the Portland Trailblazers. So what are we looking here? Bulls Blazers. Bulls Blazers. Um, you just said his name. I'm going Tony Snell. Tony Tony Snell is correct. Tony Snell, Blazers legend, played a lot for the Bulls. Obviously, stat line meme legend as well. Snell, <laughs> uh, 13.33 is the score because he only played 38 games for Portland. Overall, Hayes, that is a fantastic score. Well done. If you ever get back on social media, you'll see this. Yeah, you don't have to even have to be on social media to play these games. They're <laughs> everywhere. You can get involved and, and waste away your summer doing it. Thank you again for jumping on Locked On Fantasy Basketball with me and talking about the Chicago Bulls. What's happening over at Locked On Bulls at the moment? I mean, hey, we're just ready for the opening of training camp, trying to figure out how the, how good this team's going to be and if they're going to use that disabled player exception that's sitting around. So you guys can check me and Pat, the designer, over there Monday through Friday over at Locked On Bulls. Go and check out Locked On Bulls. Hayes, thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you. And that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.